So before you guys do anything that we talk about on this show today, make sure that you have a good foundation for your personal finance habits. Mm -hmm. Rule number one of the style of travel hacking that I teach, which is using credit card points and airline points and hotel points. Rule number one, make sure that you are paying off your credit card bill in full every month. I'm trying to give me a bag. I'm trying to give me a bag. I'm trying to give me a bag. I'm trying to give me a What's up, what's up? You are now listening to FY Fly the podcast. And I'm your host, Hassan Thomas, along with Remy. And we are here to share tools on how millennials can budget, save, invest, and understand student debt and credit to achieve financial freedom. If you're a high school student, college student, or someone who's interested in gaining more financial insight, this podcast is for you. I'm trying to give me a bag. I'm trying to give me a bag. I'm trying to give me a bag. What's up, what's up, my FY Fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. Welcome to the FY Fly podcast. My name is Hassan Thomas aka the kid that did and the man that can baby and today we're gonna be chopping up with credit card rewards and travel hacking expert julia of the geo breeze travel podcast how are you how are you i'm doing great i'm so excited to chat with you today yes ma'am happy to be here with you well you know here at fy fly we like to skip the fluff and get right into the good stuff so we know that everyone wants to travel and explore the world but I really would like for you to show, you know, how people can do it, you know, in the least expensive way possible. And that's why I really wanted to have you jump on the show, because I want to, you know, first of all, get your thoughts on, you know, does it help to have good credit before you start using the travel rewards and the credit card rewards? Like, can you elaborate on that need of good credit or? Absolutely. So before you guys do anything that we talk about on this show today, Make sure that you have a good foundation for your personal finance habits. Mm -hmm. Rule number one of the style of travel hacking that I teach, which is using credit card points and airline points and hotel points. Rule number one, make sure that you are paying off your credit card bill in full every month. That way you can avoid ever doing interest payments. Otherwise, if you have to pay interest on these balances, These cards have some of the highest interest rates on the market. We're talking like 20-some percent APR. So at that point, you're just negating the value of the points that you really earn. So you really don't want to get into this hobby until you're in a place where you can pay off your credit card bills in full every month. And generally for credit scores, I recommend at least 720. Okay, at least a 720 before you go, you know, apply for these travel reward cards and the high high points type cards that you use also is your volume really high on your on your computer it's not okay because it was kind of sounding like really really loud do you think you could turn it down a little bit does this help I don't know if it actually turns down my microphone volume, just my earbud volume. Let me see. Because I know you're not talking too, too loud, (laughs) like, already, but it does, it does seem loud. But I I should be able to just lower the volume. I would just lower the volume whenever we, whenever I go back and edit. So, no worries. So... Like you said, you believe that people should have at least a 720 before applying for the travel rewards cards and the, you know, the mileage cards. 
So what are some tips that you usually give your students that you coach to raise their credit scores? So generally, by the time anybody gets to me, they already should have a 720 score. I don't dabble too much in the whole, how do you get your credit score up? Some easy tips, though, mm -hmm. if you have a friend or family member who has a high credit score already, see if you can be added as an authorized user onto some of their cards because it basically copies over their good credit history over to your report. So that can help give you a little bit of a boost with your credit score. And then also, if you don't have that option, you could also get a secured card. D the Discover It card is one of the most popular ones to start off with. And what okay. a secured card is, basically you would put down like $500 or $1,000, and then that's your credit limit. So we borrow against that, but it does help mm -hmm. to bring up your credit score. So those are a couple tips for people who aren't quite there yet with the 720, but generally a lot of the content that I have on my page assumes already a 720 score. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So shout out to you for giving that game because I actually have a secured card as well. And that has helped me raise my credit score about 30 points since I've had it. So definitely, like you said, you're putting your own money down compared to a credit card, which is an unsecured card, because the bank doesn't know if you're going to pay that money back or not whenever you use it. So that's why it's unsecured compared to that secured card, which is your own money that you put down. And then when you swipe and pay it back, they report those payments to the bureaus and hopefully your credit will rise then. <laughs> So that makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's go ahead and get into this travel hacking. Can you tell me like your favorite travel hack experience and like, how did you do it? Like, give us a, a play that you did that was like the biggest, you know, or maybe not the biggest, but the least amount of money that you had to spend for a travel vacation. Hmm. I don't actually track how much I'd save on all of these, which I know is crazy because everybody just like wants that bragging talking point of I save $200,000 I save $500,000 mm. and for me it's really more about the process rather than like the bullet point brags but some of the most memorable trips that I've had okay. so we traveled to Greece this past year we flew business class round trip me and my husband from the New York area over to Greece mm. and I don't know how much those flights normally cost, 8000 a piece, maybe. And so we just paid for that with points. We stayed at a lot of really luxurious hotels. The most expensive one, I think, was 1600 a night if we paid in cash, but we got it covered with points. It was in Santorini. It was the Grand Canvas. So we covered the full, the full nights with the points? Oh, yeah. We had two nights, which would have cost gazillions of dollars, but instead yeah. we paid with 80,000 Hyatt points. So this was a hotel carved into a cave. You have a really nice view outside of Rio Santorini into the cliffs Whoa. and the ocean or the Aegean Sea. And it came with free breakfast. That breakfast was really fancy. And we yeah. stayed in a lot of other points hotels too. We stayed in Mykonos on points or we got at least a couple hundred dollars off of that. Yeah. And then... Free breakfast, free meals, and a lot of Balkan gifts too, like wine all over the place. Because we stayed in Athens on points. Mm. That was the Grand Hyatt. And we can talk about status in a little bit. I have top tier status with Hyatt. So we get free breakfast and upgrades and everything. Mm. We stayed in Mykonos at the Mykonos Blanc Hotel. 
use my MX Platinum, which comes with a $200 credit there. And they also gave us a $100 food and beverage credit. We went to that oh, Santa Room Hotel. Oh, yeah. We went to that Santa Room Hotel. Back to Mykonos. Oh, we had a jacuzzi, like a private jacuzzi on our balconies at these hotels. So that oh, was nice. And yeah, the last night was just back in Athens and we stayed at like a Crown Plaza near the airport, which was great too. Uh So that was Greece. And really recently, actually in August, we traveled to Germany, flew Mm. business class on the way there from JFK to Frankfurt. And then on the way back, we flew Singapore Airlines first class. So that was my first first class flight a lot of people think business class and first class is kind of the same it is not the first class room you have these you have a chair and then a separate bed and then you can take down the wall and connect two beds so my husband and i had this double room oh my god yeah and i think i had four five glasses of Dom Perignon champagne. I don't know how much that would cost. I, I can tell you don't remember. <laughs> I, I think it would be like $300 because I think that's how many glasses of champagne are in a bottle. It's about $300 a bottle, so I probably downed a bottle by myself. <laughs> and they gave you these pajamas. It was so, so nice. They I gave you pajamas keep... on the plane. They gave you to keep the pajamas. PJs on, on, on a plane, man. That's fire. <laughs> They give you this amenity kit. It's from a French company called La Lique. Mm. And there's a candle as part of the amenity kit, like a scented fancy candle. The only way I can describe it is it smells like crazy rich Asians. It's just like so expensive smelling. Crazy rich Asians. <laughs> hey, you got some stories on you but from this travel hacking. And I, I remember you said that you had about 80,000 points. So how long would you say, if you can remember, how long would you say that it took you to build up those 80,000 points? Oh, I have a lot more than 80,000 points. Those Greece trips, just the business huh. class flight, cost 88,000 points round trip per person, which is actually a really good deal. And then the huh. 80,000 points was for the two nights in Santorini. Just those two nights cost 80,000 points, which you can gotcha. generally get with a sign-up bonus on any card. So you can get that in three months really easy mm-hmm. just by signing up for a card. Make sure that you meet the sign-up bonus before you sign up for the card. Make sure that you have a plan for how to meet the sign-up bonus because a lot of cards are structured like you get 60 or 70 or 80,000 points if you spend three or four or $5,000 in the first three months. Yeah. Go into that having a plan because you don't want to get to month two and then be like, oh my God, I'm a thousand dollars short and I don't really have any big expenses coming up. I guess I'm just going to buy a thousand dollars worth of crap on Amazon. Don't end up in that situation, guys. Always just apply for these cards when you already have a large expense coming up, whether that's tuition mm-hmm. payment, well, that's the payment truth. on a car, kitchen remodel, some uh-huh. big three thousand dollar thing that's going to come up anyway. Apply for a card right before that because you're going to spend the 3000 anyway. You might as well get 80,000 points or whatever out of it. So that's the big trick because that's what I was going to kind of ask you. Like for those people who do see and are enticed by, oh my God, you get a, a hundred thousand points for spending, you know, 10,000 or 5,000 in three months. And I was going to say, I don't feel like, you know, people should be spending crazy just to meet a, a requirement for a free trip. So that's your advice for those people is to have some type of, you know, not major, but a, a big expense coming up that you probably were going to do anyways, and then use it 
to get that? Is that some of the advice that you usually give or? Yeah, that's rule number two is don't spend money that you don't need to be spending just to earn more points. Definitely, mm. like, especially outside of the sign-up bonus, do yeah. not be like, oh, that's a $500 coat that I don't need, but I'm going to get $500, or 500 points, so I should just buy this coat. Don't do that. That's worth, uh -huh. like, 5 or $10 in rewards. A lot of people might, at this point, be thinking, I don't have big expenses. Like, I just never have $3,000 to spend at one time. Yeah. Another thing that you can do is if you have friends or family or anybody else who has a lot of expenses coming up and they don't believe in the whole credit card rewards game or they think this is all crazy anyway, just mm -hmm. ask if you can put that expense on your credit card and they write you a check or they Venmo you back. And then you meet your sign-up bonus. They stay away from credit cards because they don't believe in That's this game gym. anyway. Everybody wins. That's a gem. That's a gem. I hope y'all writing that down because I'm real big on actionable items and actionable steps that they can do. And I feel like if you're listening to something educational or you're going to a conference or something and you don't take away actionable steps, then I don't feel like it was worth it. But they're going to leave here with some actionable steps and actionable items they can actually do to start travel hacking and, you know, learning about travel rewards and you mentioned something about status, you know, can you explain what that means in the travel hacking industry or the travel hacker world? Yeah. So the way that it's intended from airlines and hotels is yeah. if you fly a particular airline a lot, or you stay with a particular hotel a lot, they want to reward you for your loyalty. So they'll give you things like bonus points when you check in or free breakfast or mm -hmm. complimentary upgrades, things like that. There are lots of different ways to get status. So one, you could just fly a lot or you could stay at hotels a lot. I actually do end up staying at hotels a lot. Yeah. But you can also get co-branded credit cards. There are certain ones where you'll get automatic status, maybe top tier, maybe mid tier. Mm -hmm. So for example, the Hilton Aspire card, that gets you top tier Hilton status right away. Okay. The World of Hyatt card gets you like Discovers, which is base status. Marriott, Bonvoy, Brilliant will get you platinum status. So you can get mm -hmm. status through your credit cards as well. And there's lots of different promotions throughout the year in order yeah. to kind of fast track where with Hyatt to reach global status, which is what I have, you're supposed to stay 60 nights in a calendar year, which is mm -hmm. a lot. But if you have the credit card, that takes five off of the requirement. So now you just need 55. Okay. And sometimes... They have two X night promos where every night that you stay actually counts for two. So that mm. gets you, you need less than 30. you have that specifically sponsored uh, credit card? No, you don't even need the credit card to do the promo sometimes. Wow. Yep. I so, mean, if you're staying mm -hmm. nights at a Hyatt anyway, you should get the credit card because you're going to earn a lot of points by paying for some of those nights with Hyatt. But no, for a lot of the promos, you don't need the credit card. Mm-hmm. So from your experience, would you suggest people getting the sponsored, you know, specific Hyatt rewards or the specific Hilton rewards type credit cards or the more generalized cards where they can pretty much stay anywhere, but still get those travel rewards? What's if you're just starting out, I would start with the chase cards. The chase Sapphire preferred is the most popular card with beginners for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. One, like you mentioned, it can transfer to lots of different partners. So you could transfer to Hyatt Hotels, mm. United, Southwest, JetBlue, Air Canada, British Airways, a ton of different airlines. That's, yeah. real, that's reason number one. Reason number two, 
there is a rule called five over 24. And what that means mm -hmm. is it's a chair specific rule. If you have applied for five or more cards in the last 24 months, they're yeah. going to reject you. And so you can get five chase cards and then move on to Amex. But if you got five random cards, like mm. an Amex card, a city card, a Capital One card, a Wells Fargo card, and like you had a bad day, you got a Macy's card or something, you're best. Yeah. You're over, over 24 and you can't get the chase cards anymore. So we generally say oh, wow. start with the chase cards because you can get chase cards and then move on to something else, but not necessarily vice versa if you've already filled in those five spots. Mm. So I think just knowing this information is so powerful. Like what made you initially get into, you know, travel hacking, credit card? Was it literally, I just want to figure out how to travel for cheaper. Like, was it that, or like what, you know, made you dive in into this information? Because I'm sure as of now, it's been paying off dividends. <laughs> I actually learned about points and miles through some different fire blogs back in the day. I got into this around 2017. So uh -huh. some of the blogs like Mr. Money Mustache, Mad Fiendhis, yeah. Go Curry Packer, Afford Anything when it was more of a blog instead of a podcast. Oh yeah, Paula Patton, um, she, she's the truth. <laughs> oh yeah. So I was really, really into those blogs and a lot of them kept talking about how they got to travel for free using credit card points. And I thought, this is a scam. This is definitely a scam. Yeah. But I kept hearing about it from more and more people. So eventually my husband and I opened a couple of cards and our first redemption was kind of not intentional. So we mm -hmm. were going to Morocco. Okay. And we had a guide who was doing everything other than our flights. He was our transportation, taking care of excursions, hotels. Mm -hmm. And he had a family emergency and had to cancel on us 20 hours before we were going to get to Morocco. Wow. So I panicked and wasn't sure As what to should, do. 20, 20, was it? You but said 20 then hours I called before we got to Morocco? Yeah, we had less than a day to figure mm. this out. So I called Amex mm. and I'm reading like some script from some website being like, Hello, I get free hotel stays. Yes. And then they were like, yeah, you have enough night, you have enough points to get three free nights at the Sheraton mm. Casablanca. Cool, I'll take it and I will figure out everything else from there. So after that, we got to the hotel and I'm like, this is not gonna work. They're gonna be like free nights. What? But it worked yeah. and we got an and we offered breakfast because I had some kind of status with that card. It was with the SPG card, which is sadly no longer a brand anymore. Mm -hmm. They merged Marriott, but that was the first time that we used points for a redemption. And since then, I've been hooked. Just been making play after play after play since then. I love it. I love it. So now I want to pivot a little bit into, you know, some financial literacy, because this is FYI Fly, a show about financial literacy, which is not only understanding how to budget your money, but being able to grow and save your money effectively and efficiently. So can you give us some good money habits that you do? And then also, if you have any bad money habits, let us know so we can cut them off. <laughs> so good money habits, put yourself into a tracker. I use Mint. I know some people all use YNAB, but yeah. get everything linked up so that you can see it in one place and be yeah. like, what is my net worth? How much did I spend? And I don't even check the tracker very often, but mm -hmm. every month or so, I'll just be like, did I spend too much on restaurants this month? So that it's just right there. It saves yeah. you so much time too, because nobody likes allocating two hours a week to be like, 
what did I just do? I don't right. even understand. And so if you just have everything automated, it, it makes it so much easier. Automate your stuff. Huge key. Bad financial habits. There is a weird trend depending on how much money you make where either you're like, oh, I was really frugal in the beginning and that's how I got rich. So I'm going to stay frugal forever. Or in the beginning, you're like, I just want to live and I'm just, you know, YOLO. Uh -huh. <laughs> and people can't seem to calibrate like one way or the other. So I was definitely in camp one where my husband and I were really frugal through college. Mm -hmm. I actually, I think a big contributor to how we got to financial independence so quickly. I was an actuary. And so I just had to live under a rock for six years while passing uh -huh. certification exams. And when you're an actuary, you have like no life as you run through these exams, but you have a pretty good salary. So uh -huh. I would just like throw that in the savings or investments and be like, I don't know what to do with that. I got to study. And yeah. then one day I was done with exams and I'm like, oh wow, compound interest is magical. I'm so look at all this money that's grown, yo. <laughs> so you just kind of like pretend to live that end style. You don't have to do it for six years. But like, you know, a couple of years when you live way below your means, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to have a lot of money after that. But then the bad habits come in where you're like so afraid to let go, where you're like, this is how I got rich. This is how I'm going to stay rich. Mm -hmm. And then it gets weird after a certain age. So now that we're in our 30s, we're trying to loosen up a little bit and be like, okay, we definitely have enough where we can go out to eat and go to restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm at the age where it's weird. It's donut clubbing. I live in Vegas now. So people donut clubbing even if they're 60. So that's completely fine. And I, I think it's definitely, you know, something to that, that I'm glad that you said, because a lot of people struggle to find that balance, like you said, and what, from, from what I've heard from the, from the people that I've talked to on the show, they'll be in that frugal mode for so long. And then when they're out of it, they go the opposite. Now they're spending everything because they're like, Man, I've 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 been frugal. I haven't I don't feel like I've rewarded myself. So whenever they whenever they do feel like that, then they're spending too much. You know what I mean? So what has really helped you, you know, kind of create more of balance more than okay, I was frugal all through my 20s. Now let's blow all this. Like what has <laughs> what has kept you like balanced like that? Come up with some money rules for yourself and decide if you want it to be a percent allocation like Ramit Sadie, I think, says 60% should be approximately for your fixed costs, like your rent and your car payment and all yeah. of that. And then I think he recommended 10% of guilt-free spending, and then the mm -hmm. rest would be saving investments. Or okay. what my husband and I did, because I didn't want to go through all that tracking, was we would spend and live off of my income, and then we would save and invest his and he okay. made a little bit more than I did. So that still kind of felt like for the whole household, we are saving more than 50% of our income. Mm -hmm. So you could work out some system like that, but come up with some rules for yourself and find a system that's easy for you to implement. And yeah. don't get too granular with it too. Like some people are like, oh, I spent this much eating out and this much on groceries. And mm -hmm. I'm like, we just said, okay, if I made 100,000 this year, we're spending 100,000. And if he made... 130 or whatever that that goes into investment so mm -hmm. it's just a little bit easier to calibrate that way okay okay and i think the big key that you said is finding what works for you so you know personal finance is called personal finance because 
it's personal. <laughs> so definitely find what works for you and your specific situation. I think coming up with those money rules is key as well. So you can be intentional when you get your paycheck or whenever you get your, you know, stipend or however you get your revenue, you know, coming up with some rules that you, you know, know how to allocate or know where your money is going. Absolutely. So I have one final question for you. I want to get your opinion on, I'm going to read you two quotes and I want to get your opinion on which one is more accurate. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Bet. So the first quote is more money, more problems like Biggie. <laughs> and the second one is money can't buy happiness. Which one do you believe is more accurate in your opinion? I would go with the first one with some caveats. So more money okay. does equal more problems. Like as I started my own business with GeoBreeze Travel, it actually makes more than I made as an actuary. Mm. And it comes with a lot of problems. Like my accountant oh, hates me because <laughs> like, can I expense this? Can I do all these weird things? And so just like starting up businesses and like doing yeah. tax law and all of that, it's very confusing. But with more money also comes more solutions because you definitely don't want to just be in a place where you're like, Oh my God, I have this money and life is hard. Everything is harder without money. If you have health problems, relationship problems, and like anything with your family, yeah. everything is harder if you don't have money. So yeah. while more money does, mean more problems it also gives you more solutions and then it's just up to you to leverage your money in order to solve those problems it's Come just kind of like now. leveling up like yeah sixth grade has more problems than fourth grade but sixth grade you probably should also be able to handle those problems a little bit better than you could as a fourth grader that's a great point that's that's a great point and then also you have more freedom as a sixth grader than you did as a third or fourth grader so you know now you have more access to people who can help you. Like you said, your accountant, you have more access to people that are also doing the same as you. So you can hit them up for leverage or mastermind with them. So I love, I love the way you put it more money, more problems, but more solutions. Yeah. That's key. I think people get tripped up when they're like, Oh, the, the playbook that I've been doing my whole life, it doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't. Once you level up to that next level of income, mm -hmm are going to get weird and then you're going to figure it out and then you're going to level up again and things are going to get weirder like our yeah. tax situation we're like okay well we have my husband's on youtube but also i'm self-employed so that's just a mess and then yeah. there's also capital gains from investments mm -hmm. and all of that we don't even have real estate in that mix yet but oh that's gonna get messy too if we ever do real estate investing so yeah, yeah. more money more problems but also more solutions <laughs> I love it. I love it. So thank you for dropping all these gems on our FYI fly folks. If you have any final words, any final gems, go ahead and let them know. Also know where to reach you. I'm also hanging out on Instagram at GeoBreeze Travel. I don't hang out on TikTok. It's not, <laughs> not for me. So you can easily find me on Instagram like the crusty millennial I am. I and then... <laughs> And then if you want to do more deep dives into different point strategies, I have a podcast as well. It's called the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. You can find it probably on the same platform where you are listening to this podcast episode. So come check that out as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much again. And like I said, for everybody, take these gems, apply them to your life because these small incremental habits will lead to big changes over time. 
So thank y'all again. Thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Most definitely, most definitely. So everybody, please stay safe, stay invested, and stay FYI Fly. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you all for listening to FYI Fly, the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week for more financial literacy insights with our special guests. Please visit our website, social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at FYI Fly Podcast. That's F-Y-I-F-L-I Podcast. See y'all next week and stay fly.